0: In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to the all-new. All-new. Well, it's not... it's not, it is still new. This is like, I think this is going to be like the ninth episode. So it's not brand new, but uh, still has that new podcast smell. So this is the new oil and gas digital doers podcast, which is brought to you by the good people at Top Coder, right here on the oil and gas global network. And of course we do love our sponsors here at OGGM because uh, as I always say, without them, there is no us. Um, and, and that is really true. There is no us without our sponsors. So, um, so if you don't know about Topcoder, um, you should uh, check them out because they've got, they do some really interesting stuff with something called open talent models. And if you don't know what that is, then you need to know what that is because it's very closely related to, um, this whole concept of getting digital done, which is what this uh, show is all about. Also, we love our sponsors, not only because they pay the bills, um, which we desperately need, but um, we all every one of our sponsors at OGGN is doing some great stuff. And uh, we only work with winners, and so you need to, uh, you definitely need to have a look at them and uh, all the sponsors for all of our other great shows. Speaking of other great shows, we've got new shows coming out uh, at a steady pace. So so um, if you want to uh, if you want to find out what else we got coming out, just go to the OGGN website, which uh, coincidentally is OGGN.com, dot com, and you can find out about all the new fantastic podcasts, of which this is one. So my guest today is um, is Mr. William Fox from Data Gumbo, which is a company right down the hall here uh, at the Fabulous Canon on the west side of Houston, where. The sun is always shining and the birds are always singing and the people are always happy. But before we get to William, I do have to do my traditional reminder. we need reviews. You gotta, you gotta go to your podcast platform and leave us a review. Um, it only takes two seconds. You don't have to write a book. Just say whether you like it or you don't like it and what you like or what you don't like. That is how we learn. And, uh, in fact, that's the only way that we're going to find out because as you know, you are anonymous in the podcast world, but we do want to know what you think. So put a review out there and, uh, and help us learn and get better. Okay. That's it. um, let's let's uh let's let's i don't think i have any other amusing anecdotes for today so we're gonna get right to our guest william thanks for uh walking all the way down the hallway <laughs> to be here
2: yeah thank you very much for having me on yeah the it's
1: uh we were just talking about the canon being um a great place to come i i i i i was being a little facetious about the bird singing um although there was a bird in here one time so that isn't entirely untrue but but uh, you guys have been here for quite a while, and, and you like it.
2: Yeah, you know. we've we've been here since the uh, waiting room days in the other office building as right, this right. place was being built out, and it was very authentic startup setting because we had insulation coming out of the ceiling, uh, and so in <laughs> folding chairs. So that gave us credibility, yeah. and now we're in this beautiful new uh, structure, and we really like the uh, the team at the Canon.
1: Yeah, every, everybody that comes here likes it and asks uh, how do you about how do you sign up? Which I don't know. I need to ask Caroline. Because people always ask me, like, I, I know for the, if you want to have a whole office here, you know, you go through that whole process. But if right. you just want to come here and have a hot desk or something, I'm sure it's a... You just like, walk right up. You yeah. walk out, you like swipe yeah. your credit card or something, right? Yeah, they're and, really good. Yeah. So, so make it good. super easy. Okay. All right. That's enough plugging the cannon. We do appreciate those guys. They do a great job over here. Um, so, so William, you are the chief product officer at Data Gumbo um, I also know that which means that uh, you know obviously uh, you're the right guy to talk to about what's what's happening with the product um, but also I know that you got kind of a, uh, a history in oil and gas that goes back quite a few years now with some other bigger companies NOV and somebody else and then before that uh, Captain in the, in the army which um, there might like I'm thinking there's probably some good stories there especially as it relates to you now being the guy who's automating contract processes but what else uh, before we get into the into the topic what else do you want to uh tell us about yourself
2: yeah, just uh, studied uh, history in college and uh, went into the, the army thinking I'd do it for thirty years, and then uh, actually met my wife in the army. She was an officer too, and then it's after, funny how
1: things change from that.
2: <laughs> yeah, and so she goes, "Actually, we're getting out." Uh, so did about four and a half years in the army, uh, got out, went to work for National Oil Varco's MD Taco division there in Austin. Uh, got to spend five years in Austin. I know it. I, I actually did a project for
1: MD Taco back yeah. when I was in, in my consulting years up there in uh, Cedar that's Park. That's right, Cedar Park. Right, Cedar Park, yeah, yeah. The, so, bi- the big metal yeah, building with the offices on the front. That's yeah.
2: right. And so fun fact there, you know, uh, Technical Oil t- Tools Company, which is what the taco comes from, I think when I was there, we still sold something like a million dollars a year of the original taco tool which is this metal tool that you just drop down the hole in it a stylus pricks uh, a piece of grid grid paper graph paper to give you the inclination oh yeah sure the thing is you think god that's from 1922 how could it still sell it it's dead simple there's no electronic parts and it works right and right. I always thought that was uh, just an interesting aspect of that business
1: I love so on the on the other show on the oil and gas tech show I always like to even though we're always talking about modern technology I always like to sort of pay homage to the fact that this industry has been doing tech in one shape or form for a hundred years or more right and so it's always interesting to hear those old stories about how how did they do it They they yep. they had a I mean that was effectively technology it wasn't digital but, absolutely uh, but uh, yeah cool I did there was something called rig sense that I think I that's, worked on That's right that uh, that, was, that was yeah
2: I, I helped uh, I helped with the uh, reporting package that went along with rig sense that was what ah. my first job at uh, NOV and then later on I met our CEO Andrew who I think you've met before yep, yep. he uh, was running the Novos uh, controls project Project, which the intent there was to create a completely new sort of supervisory control system that automate the rig. Right, And right. Uh, so I moved over to his team. And then later on, uh, followed him over to Aker Solutions Drilling, which became MH Right, fears. right. Um, and then, you know, downturn happened. And um, so he ended up starting Data Gumbo. And then a couple of years later... 2017, I, I came over to Data Gumbo full time. Right.
1: Okay. So you and Andrew had a history prior to. Uh, I guess it's 11 years now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember we got the story. He he was on the tech show. Uh, I think it was back a little before Christmas, and uh, to kind of told the story because of course I had to ask him where did the name come from. And um, oh, okay. Well, uh, which one? Which uh,
2: version of the story? Did he tell well,
1: you? I baited him a little bit because I said it must have something to do with like drinking, and he told a story mm-hmm. about like. Like margaritas and chips and salsa, and that was how. Uh,
2: I think the other key thing was I think we looked at three hundred different domain names on GoDaddy, and that. that one was that yeah. one was available. It's, it's like, funny okay. how
1: you can't name a company these days unless yeah, you can come a, up with a with a domain, and
2: nobody wants to have a hyphen in their domain, but, name. and anymore, nobody wants so. to do dot something weird.
1: Dot, right? right? Dot US you got to be dot com. Or dot, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Very good. So, um, so you guys have been working together for a long time. You've, D- Data Gumbo's been. Going now for what, like three or four years, five years, something like that.
2: So we've been going since uh, beginning of twenty sixteen. Yeah. So this is our fifth year now.
1: Um, okay, so that so so that is enough time to have accomplished something. So that's what we want to get to. I think so. In this in this this being the digital doers podcast, we want to talk about people. We want to talk about the doers, not the. We don't want to talk about the not. Well there is some value in understanding the not doers and understanding what's not working, which we definitely want to want people to, uh, to be aware, but what is working and how are people actually having success? And, um, you know, uh, and how do we, and how do we kind of stand up to the rest of the world and say, yes, in oil and gas, we are making progress in digital transformation. It's not that easy because this is a very complicated industry, but we're getting it done. So I know, um, I know, uh, you got. I know you have good stories in that regard, but of course we can't we can't tell all the stories about all our clients and things like that. So just kind of in the abstract, mm-hmm. what do you see happening out there that looks like uh, like real value occurring? And maybe sprinkle in a little bit about what DataGumbo does, just in case people uh, aren't familiar.
2: Sure, sure. So the the two the sentence capsule description here is that uh, DataGumbo provides a smart contract network, and what that means is we can help companies use their data. And their customers' data and their vendors' data to automate the execution of their contracts that they already have, um, which, which you just said in like like eight seconds. But that is a
1: huge thing in this industry, right? It's like it's well, ginormous. It
2: is because um, you know we don't necessarily change what the underlying services are, but if. You know, you look at the way that contracts are executed today, sort of the legacy way. Um, right. Typically, it's something that's evolved over time. It's it's built up. The contract itself, the language is accreted like coral over multiple generations, copies and pastes, different people right. have read it. Right. Right. And you know, everything is still sort of paper-based in the sense that uh, the systems that evolved last century were all, you know, effectively paper-based. Somebody signs off on a delivery or something like that, and then it has to be aggregated that week, and maybe it sits on your dashboard for a week before you take it in the office. Right, and then, right. And then I'm a vendor. I do a pro forma because I know they're going to kick it back, and then, you know, we do a, a dispute resolution back and forth there. Uh, and then finally, I've got to put it into some other B2B middleware, business business middleware, and then finally, it gets into let's say the buyer's SAP or Oracle system, and then they kick it back because the PO number doesn't match, right? And and right. all all of that is you know it's you know there are still people, as we all know, writing handwritten physical tickets, and that's you know that is what it is. But all those other steps, you know, have they been digitized? Yes. Okay. So now I'm doing it on a laptop, but all those manual steps, all those opportunities for mismatch and dispute, still exist. Sure.
1: And. I, we actually, we actually. So believe it or not, at OGGN, we have, so we have a lot of sponsors who are some of those big companies, right? Uh, Technip, FMC, and HPE, and we, <laughs> we. It's a very simple thing. Like you sponsor a podcast, and and like we invoice you monthly, mm-hmm. um, and.
2: Yeah, but first you got to sign for Cortex, oh, you know, God. and then you're gonna have to. Did, are you in Ariba yeah, yet? Uh, the you know? and, yeah,
1: don't yeah. oh, don't even get me started on Ariba. and then and then you're right, and then at the end you find out that uh, you're you're 45 days or 50 days into your net 60 that you're waiting to get paid, and you had the wrong. Like subsidiary name on the invoice, right? Right? Uh, right? Or you forgot to put ink at the end, yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. It was right? doing
2: business as something else, right? And, and so, now you have to yeah. like start. You have yep. to start all over Restart again. Restart the
1: so, fuck. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, yeah. Nobody's immune from that.
2: Yeah. Right. And so think. You know, we we encounter that with relatively simple things, and then apply that exact same logic to, um, you know, an offshore integrated services contract where you know you've got people you've got uh, fuel you've got downhole tools you've got rentals you've got all these other moving pieces right where as i as a supplier i can't even compose my invoice to you as the buyer without collecting all that information from five six seven ten different subs right and every every that cycle that we just described is happening for every layer of that and so you know in a one oil's a hundred nobody cares uh, exactly, and then right. when it was negative thirty seven, uh, well, obviously we know that was a blip, but <laughs> it was one day. Yeah, uh, but you know, the, the reality is that this sort of some of this needs to be shed. We need to scrape the barnacles off of our general ledger systems and just try to automate as much of this as possible. And it's never going to be everything. Uh, and what I like to say is, a we can't read a handwritten scrawl on a piece of paper. So if, if that's the process of data collection, then it's probably not going to work. And B, if it really requires human judgment, you know, if it's a quality judgment around... I'll give you an example. So, yeah. so one thing we'll see is somebody will go, all right, uh, we're doing wireline, uh, our electronic wireline, and, uh, you know, it's a day rate or maybe it's a, a footage rate or meter rate. It doesn't matter. And a portion of that payment will be based on the quality of the log. Okay, well, what does that mean? Um, and if you ask somebody, it might they might get a different answer. And it, if, if the quality metric is... Uh, you, I, I need gaps in the data that are less than thirty seconds, or I trigger something. Okay, that's measurable. Like we can measure that. We can look at that, and there's you know there's thirty six hundred seconds an hour. You know this is how many gaps you had. That's right. all automatable. Right. But if the quality metric is Bob likes it, or <laughs> our third party AI people say it was good enough, yeah. And I have to wait ninety days to find out. Well, that's not. We're, right. That's gonna be hard to automate, and it's gonna it's gonna screw up your, your whole sure. process. Sure. Sure. So, you know, and apply that to a thousand different situations. And right. so what we're starting to see is on both sides, both buyers and sellers saying, this is insane. We can't do this. We're financing our, our buyers, our operators on the one hand, and on the operator side, you know, your drilling engineer is an invoice engineer. I mean right. because we're we that's they're literally spending forty percent of their time dealing with this stuff. Right, right, right. Right. And so then the question goes, well, how, how can we how can we do something different? And so what we see companies going is, first off, somebody needs to actually read the contract for the first time in five years, and go, I don't even know what this means, right? Or wait a minute, these two clauses, <laughs> that never are, these are contradictory. <laughs> like, you know, it, but if if it's this, then it's bundled. But if this other thing happens unbundled, what does that even mean? Right, right. right. So there's there's a certain amount of that, and that's sort of, I would say, non-technical. That's more of just sort of, can we with a logical eye look at these contracts and go
1: and say is it even relevant right. to what we're doing anyway right. Right.
2: and then there's you know and then the next step is go okay how do we make it measurable uh, because a lot of these things really are just left vague um, and you know from our, our perspective as you know smart contracts are just dumb scripts they're, they're just code and code has no ability to sort of Really judge. In fact, you don't want it to. It
1: has no bias, right? It's just people
2: ask about AI all the time. I don't want the contract deciding what to pay me. I want to know exactly what. What did you agree to? And what? Totally deterministic, right? right? And so, you know, there's that process you go to, but then you go, well, wait a minute. If we could trust the data that we're sharing between each other, if we could trust this, or maybe a third party. Maybe I don't even trust you. I trust the helicopter provider to give me an accurate manifest. You know, whatever it is. Right. What? How would we write this? And.
1: You know, yeah, right, because so much of the contract is written to provide protection around the fact that you don't actually like trust the, the other person's data, right? Right. the other person's it's, information.
2: It, it's not, they're, they're not written to be executed. They're written to be govern how we're going right. to fire you. Right, you know? right. And, uh, and so one of the things that will <laughs> happen is somebody will go, you know, we've got 100 pages of this contract that's around providing drilling mud. But what do we actually want? Do I really want – am I ordering totes? Am I ordering gallons that have to be opened at a certain thing or expire? Like that's not really what I'm ordering. What I'm ordering is I want density at specific depth in the hole. Right. And um, you know, it turns out a lot of these companies now have got you know fluids management systems or managed pressure drilling systems or you know uh, kick detection systems where this is a third party. They have a physics-based model and sensors on this on a rig, for mm-hmm. instance. And they're already out there providing that from a safety standpoint. Yeah. And what they have, what they're giving you is a sort of quasi real time physics based model of what the density is in any particular depth in the hole. And so, if that's what you're actually trying to get from your service provider, how about we write a contract instead of a hundred pages? It's a five by seven grid that says for this section, this is the density range, and if you're within it, then you get. Hundred and ten percent. If you're within this range, you get 100%. If, and
1: how you get it is kind of up to you, right? Right. Is, right. And now I don't care. And right.
2: if, if you need to send four shipping containers out, if you need to send 400 cubic uh, meters of, of oil-based mud, cool. I don't even measure that. So, like, what I right. said before is— It's the is outcome. We, you're, right. you're, exactly. You're so contracting for the outcome. First step, establish that we could actually measure. But then if we can measure and we can agree that this system is going to run and be correct, you know, let's say 98.5% of the time— why are we even measuring that stuff? That's you know, let's measure the outcomes.
1: Yeah. So what you're describing is something that um, has been out there in the advisory part of the world, uh, and I hate—I always hate to admit when they're right, but uh, the big, the big uh, management consulting firms, um, you know, who say, uh, "Well, if you want to be, if only Guess wants to be successful in 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 digital, you have to rethink your, you know." operating models your workflows you you kind of have to like not try to apply digital to the same way Mm -hmm. that you're doing things and everybody sort of nods along and says yes but you know that's not i mean again this is not a simple industry and so it's fine when you're in an ivory tower to say right oh you just need to rethink everything oh sure but what you're describing actually is that so how does that um so it so it's a great explanation. how are you how do people actually uh, shift gears in their operations to work that way instead of the way that because that has to be non-trivial?
2: Well, right? the, you're exactly right. And so there's kind of two elements to it. I mean, I've said it before, but I mean, ultimately the the data has to exist. if you don't if you don't have the data from somewhere, um you can't do it. but what we find is that usually the data does exist. And maybe it's not within your four walls. Maybe it's not in your data center. Maybe it's in your vendors' data center. Right. Maybe it's in a third party trucking company's data, you know. Right. So but generally speaking, it's out there somewhere. So the data acquisition aspect of this is eighty percent of the time. Um, but eighty percent of the work is the sort of I broadly categorize organizational change management, or you know, rethinking of how we structure the contract. So, so I always, (laughs) I always laugh
1: because I, I've been saying this a lot. Every, every, it doesn't matter what subject we tackle in this industry, we always, um, we always end up talking about, um, really about two things. And you just hit both of them in one (laughs) sentence. One is, one is data. And the other is culture. Like we always like, it doesn't matter what subject we start with. We always end up talking about data and culture in terms of change management or organizational whatever. And it's because everything that we want to do constructive in this industry in terms of improving the way it works involves those two things. And those are the two, the two biggest hurdles. So how, how are you seeing people? how, How do they get, how do they get past that? I mean, it, going out there and finding all that data and dealing with it and then getting people to think differently and I yeah. mean, it's, it's well
2: and, and you know you need a, you need a champion in the organization. it's frequently a buyer, but it's also we work with uh, sellers you know who are initiating this for their own internal um, yeah you know let's say make my own process better get right. my invoices out faster right but also as a differentiator to their customers like you know one of the things we hear a lot on the operator side is I'd really like to be able to know what I was spending with Company X in real time. And, and you'll have the people who say that will be in finance or the digitization efforts or maybe right, they'll right. be maybe it'll be the chemical cop. Like I'm the guy responsible for production chemical program. You know, I know what my SCADA says. We don't have it on every location. How would I even know for sure what I'm really spending? You know, let's say daily roll it daily. Right. And so those are the sorts of people who go, well, wait a minute. I have a I have a specific business problem. I have some level of control over this part of the, the company or domain, and I want to actually drive this. I'm going to invest my personal capital and say, look, I, I will. Let's look at the contract. Let's find the vendor that we want to work with, or group of vendors, and let's let's just do it. Let's don't boil the ocean. Let's pick 100 locations and let's see if we can make this happen. And that's what you need because it can't you know, it can't be. Hey, I'm in the technology uh, you know rollout part of the company, and we don't have any budget. Um, you know, <laughs> right. We don't control any assets. Right. We don't make any operations. decisions. Right. Right. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I, guys, I've got this new self-licking ice cream cone uh, for you. And meanwhile, yeah. you know, like whatever. It's, yeah. it, it'll never happen. It's re- it's very interesting. Um, and right. so it, it comes down to somebody in, in either the buyer or seller's company needs to make a decision that I want to do something different. And then, you know, things like I said, w- we always find the data there, you know, or we always find actually you're right. Nobody read the contract and we all agree that. It's stupid, and or you we know, need could something be different, right,
1: right? Right, right, Interesting. So, um, yeah, that, that's a whole uh, you meant wow, there's so many different things uh, involved there because um, you know, you start talking about SCADA systems, and now we're talking about connecting to things to try to get data that right. historically we didn't connect to they they now but the the digital transformation wave and this whole IT OT convergence thing is is causing people to be at least uh, a little bit more open to the idea that you know cuz historically the scada system sat there and it produced a bunch of data but it just produced data for itself right for the guy who was operating it yeah. and now all of a sudden we're saying we want to get at that data we want to connect it we want to take it to the cloud do all this stuff with it and so everybody's kind of and at first that was like a like a no way are we going to do that now it's a little bit more acceptable. Until something happens, like a pipeline gets hacked, right, right. and and then everybody goes back to, yeah, to uh, like hold on.
2: Yeah, well, I. I don't know. I haven't seen the latest, but uh, do we kn- I don't know if we know yet whether their actual control systems or hacked, or I saw somebody else saying that maybe their customer, uh, they're... Yeah. yeah anyhow, we'll, we'll see. We'll, but, we'll never know, probably. But, but,
1: but the but, point is, as soon as there's a security problem, then nope. everybody says, that's why we didn't connect these things to well, other things.
2: And, and so, uh, to your point, you know, if you're pulling the data for commercial purposes... It only needs to be one way. When, you, know, it, you, you don't need a, you know, a, a smart contract to actually have any control over the control system, right? You just need a feed. And, you know, Which the is other, much easier to secure. Right. right. Yeah. And the other, the other aspect is you don't need all the data. Like, for instance, let's say you know, there's a tank, and mm-hmm. the tank's got a tank level monitor, and maybe locally it's sampling, I don't know, once every 15 seconds. Uh, and then maybe it's pinging once every 15 minutes, you know, back to the cluster. Right. Like, from, from the perspective of a contract, We actually don't care about any of that. The only thing we care about is volume events. And maybe that's once every 60 days, right? So it's not necessarily a big data thing. It's more of a specific data thing. Right. Um, So, you know, there's that aspect to it. But then the other aspect to it is, you know, uh, the cost to actually go instrument things has come drastically down. There are companies out there now that, you know, historically have done instrumentation. And they're offering it now as measurement as a service. You know, instead of you pay me twenty-five thousand dollars to rig up your pad or, or whatever, um, maybe it's a couple of dollars a day, and we'll bring it to the cloud. And right. so, you know, that that changes the that changes the calculus, right? Because you're not going to if if you've got some stripper well or you've got some place where it's just getting batch treated by a guy going out there in a truck and pouring a five gallon panel right, into it. right, right. C- odds are, it's not worth instrumenting that. Um, but if the cost per year goes from, let's say, 25,000 CapEx up front to $1,000 a year, okay, that's a different – there's a different value calculator now. Maybe, maybe 50% of your locations justify that. You know, So it's, it's really lowering the barrier uh, to taking one of these approaches of digitizing the contract if you can much more cheaply, like maybe 100 times more cheaply, get the data in.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And actually, you're um, so you're getting into something which um, which we talk about a lot, which, which is well, how some of these things. So some of what you're describing, you know, um, and this happens a lot when we talk about new digital capabilities, and it kind of sounds like magic, right? Like if I'm the person out in the fields, I go, "Sure, sounds sounds nice," but 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 but, but, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean,
2: you know, to to that point. Okay, so a guy comes out in a truck and he taps something on the side it has got a little raspberry pie attached to it. You don't have to do anything. Sure. Your, your guys back in the office can pay for this. You don't have to do anything. I'm not asking you, you know, I, I say me, but yeah, you know, yeah. the, from, from the point of view, of the, that, what I like about using the data where, that's already there is from the point of view of the field ops people, we're not asking you to do anything different. So, so keep doing so, what you're doing.
1: So let's get into that a little bit. So what are you asking people to do and maybe maybe it's good to talk about why why are we able to do some of these things now? Uh, what's different now? That you know, I mean well, like we didn't just invent computers. Right. So what what's what's changed and what are, what are you asking people to do if they want to actually like have success and see value from this stuff?
2: I think um you know, let's let's take example of uh, you know a, a rig contract. Okay. So today your uh, rig manager your tool pusher and the operators rep the company man once a day they get together and over the course of the day you're writing that that uh, tower sheet the dd the daily drilling report right you know? and you're doing it in maybe an md taco edr maybe something else right, right and once a day you get together and you say yeah we agree on this and then the, the operators rep signs off on it okay we've established a record that both sides Signed about what the activities were for the day. Maybe, right. maybe there's a uh, we have an hour that I'm saying, hey, I'm putting you on downtime for that, and you go, I don't agree. And I'm like, okay, we'll agree to disagree, code it, whatever. The point is, you've effective. That's like right there. We've established 80 percent of what the bill, the eventual bill is going to be, and right. that's something you're doing today already. Yep. Now, what else? What happens today is then the the company man goes and puts. A completely, you know, parallel but slightly different record of what happened into a completely different system that I, the rig contractor, don't have access to. Right, right. And then about six weeks from now, those both of those sets of records will have worked their way through the system, and somebody sitting in the office on shore or, or you know back in Houston uh, is going to look in SAP and go, "No, I reject that. Those don't match." Right. So yeah. if you could accept, if we could get them to agree to so- accept what they actually agreed to so on, on the so on the actual won. tour
1: report where they where they filled it right, out it, right. it, it met, they they agree and it's right. the it's the divergent paths that it follows right. from there and,
2: and, and you know 95% of the time 98% of the time maybe what holds up the eventual thing is oh forklift rental i didn't get somebody to sign off on that right, uh, right. it's not even it's not even what, you know the activities but the point would be from the point of view of the guys in the field just keep doing what you're doing and we're going to help your guys in the office agree that that's actually what happened and we cut, oh, I don't know, 63 of the 65 steps out. And then when there is a discrepancy, when there's a true dispute about something, okay, ma- managed by exception. And, again, the guy in the field doesn't have to do anything different, uh, just as an example.
1: Right, right. Uh, so, um, yeah, and you mentioned that. I think you mentioned that. I think it was when we were, when we were chatting before we, we turned the microphones on. But some 67 steps or 65 right. steps to actually, I mean, it feels like a lot.
2: It, it, it does feel like a lot. And then until you go and diagram it out and then you go, wait a minute, we really are doing that because, yeah. uh, you know, let's, let's say some other service. Okay. There's, I got rental tools. All right. Um, they gotta, they gotta be pulled from inventory at the vendor. They gotta right. go on a truck, maybe directly to the site or to the port and get on a vessel. And then they gotta be manifesting on the vessel to get out there or they're at the site directly if on truck. And then somebody's gonna go fill out a ticket somewhere. Yeah. Uh, once a day saying, you know, we this is what we had in the hole, this is what's on standby rate, you know, so on and so forth. They probably get somebody to sign it. Mm-hmm. Won't get the stamp immediately because the you know, the other guy's gotta stamp it. So, you know, we yeah. get them to sign it. And then i got to find that guy, and then that guy stamps it. And that's still probably paper. Maybe it's on a pad. Maybe it's on a tablet. Then i got to take it back to my office. And then the clerk at the office, who has no idea what they're even looking at necessarily, goes and turns that into an invoice. But it turns out, well, customer A makes us assign completely different part numbers or completely different cost codes for every job so that they can keep it separate. So there's all this manual work that has to happen. And then that's to make the pre-invoice because it's such a pain to put it into the middleware Right, who shall not be named, Yeah, we'll actually send it all in Excel first. And then it goes to a clerk. Yeah. And then the right. clerk, who, again, has not been to the site and doesn't know what actually happened, will then email like, that to the supervisor. And the supervisor emails that to the company man who's back from his two weeks yeah, off or whatever. Yeah, and he yeah, goes, yeah. no, nah, I don't think that forklift was there. And then, okay, yeah. well, now we'll just go right back through And so this is how you get to 65-step process. Right. And, you know, well-oiled teams can execute that in 10 days, maybe five days, if, yeah. they, if they're friends, if, right. you know, if everybody's buddy. But what we much more frequently see is it's 30 days to even get to the invoice before I can put it in and start the right.
1: clock on right. my payment terms. On the, on the payment terms. Okay. All right. So, so I'm, I'm convinced. So like you won me over, let's say, um, so you mentioned before you have to have, uh, um, so I'm thinking about how to, how do you get this done? Right. We're talking about getting, getting these things done and seeing value. So you said you got to have a champion. Let's say I'm the champion. I'm the person who said who just looked at that sixty-seven step, sixty five step process and said, This is ridiculous. I hear that there are better ways to get to do this. So what do I do? What should I do? Like how would you like yep. how would you advise me on how do I get started and make progress?
2: I, I what we always say is pick one contract with one counterparty and one group of assets and just go. And it and the funny thing is could be your worst counterparty, or it could be your best counterparty. Sure. Because either way, there's going to be value there. If it's your worst because there's the most disputes, okay, let's peel the onion and find out what's really going what's on. What's going on, right. If it's your best, hey, win-win for everybody. I'm going to pay you faster. You're going to cut down on your right. invoicing process. Either one of those paths works. But it's it's don't, don't think of all the things it could do. Don't think of how we're going to do this across all categories of spend. Pick one thing that you think there might be data available for. Let's say truck tickets, let's say some SCADA data from your pads, whatever. Uh, and say, let's go, let's do it. You know, and it's yeah. the whole thing, the whole the whole initial implementation for that one contract can be over in I don't know, eight, ten weeks, maybe, depending. Okay. So who's the team that I need to pull together to do that? Yeah, great question. So we need typically somebody who can answer the questions about what did you mean in this contract? And the, uh, the reason I say that is, <laughs> the, the, you might have to pull them out of retirement. Well, but, right. <laughs> but like, you, we'll see ones where okay, there's an MSA which we don't care about, and then there's basically a price sheet and call off orders. Okay, that doesn't require a whole lot of interpretation. This pretty right, straightforward. Right, right. But if it's a, one of these integrated services contracts and it's 900 pages, okay, somebody might need to say, what did you mean by that? Right. So right. there's some portion of one of those people from contracting. And there's somebody who needs to uh, say, yes, I will give you permission to pull this data. And, again, that's not a full-time job. That's like, give me the API key and right. we'll go do it for you. Um, and then the per, who operationally is responsible for that spent? We want to update them a couple times a week, you know, and say, hey, this is what it's showing. Is this, you know, do you agree? Or maybe there's a dispute this week. And we need you and your counterparty on the vendor side to do dispute resolution in system and done
1: Okay, so that's not very disruptive operationally, right? Like, you're talking about, I mean, it, you, you're talking about somebody who can help you understand the contract. So, uh, presumably, there's, like, a project team working on this from, from Data Gumbo for or, sure, for or, sure. or so, right? And, and, but you got somebody who can interpret a contract or understands what it means. You've got somebody, like, from IT security who can let you into the data. Yeah. And then you've got, uh, like, your... Like well, your so then
2: we get to the hard part, which is, okay, this is going to generate an invoice. Accounting. Oh, kind of yeah. wants to look at that. Yeah, that's they're right. Gonna go, yeah, you got oh that. Oh my god. Wait, 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 wait. You know, where's this my is, workflow? This is not our process. Right. right. Yeah. And so I mean, but w- what I will say just from our experience and again, of course, everything's, you know. Um, once we get in there and we say, here's let, go pull what you got in SAP. Go pull what you got in Oracle. Let's see what this system did for the same month. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. they start and when you, you know, you dump it into Excel and they're like, "Oh, that matched." Oh, that matched. Oh, that matched. Wait a minute, that doesn't match. Oh crap, we, we calculated the wrong tax on that. And they're like your system actually applied the rules better than sure. our manual work Go figure. And that, then all of a sudden, yeah. somebody goes, "Okay, how do we do this for everything?" Right. Because now right. I, you just you just took eighty percent of my nonproductive work away, and I can focus on interesting projects. I can focus on doing, you know, financial planning and so on, as opposed to just rote yeah. click yeah, yeah. a thousand times a month on this stuff.
1: That is. Um yeah. So don't tell me. Show me. And then you and and you said something else, which is significant. Which is you know you can start to see value in eight to ten weeks, which is consistent with kind of the new expectation in the industry, right? Which is um, we don't have the the tolerance anymore for long. You, you, implementation. you don't have two <laughs> years and $25 million no. to see if this is going to work. No, we do not. Right. Like, and, and in fact I've been doing uh, so, uh, apart from all, you know, all this fun podcasting, I do a little bit of consulting work and I've had some been consulting with some, some companies, um, you know, kind of big companies that have been around a long time for a hundred years and, um, and aren't necessarily like, like situated entirely in this industry, but mm-hmm. they have traditionally sold into the industry, whatever their products and services are. Um, and they're shocked to hear that the new expectation is we want to see time to value in like 60 to 90 days. Yep. Yep. And, and they just like cannot get their heads around that. And, um, but that's, but that's kind of like the way I think of it is if I do, if you, if I get any, if I'm the person who needs to go execute this, this initiative, it's like okay, your budget is two dollars, right? And and <laughs> if you can turn that into four dollars in the next in the next six weeks, That's exactly then we'll right. give you a little bit more money, right? So is that is that what you're seeing? Like it has to be, you just gotta be quick.
2: It, well, and the other thing is, um, you know, this. We're not a hammer looking for a nail, right? If you have a business sure. problem uh, that this can solve, then let's do it. If you have a business problem that really should be solved by reconfiguring SAP, or you should have a, a business problem that really has to do sure. with something completely external to, to this, we can't help you. Um, and so I, I agree with you. It's, it's, you know, prove this out on one asset or prove this out on this county. And right. then if you prove it can work, Okay, let's talk about taking this across that entire category.
1: Right, right, right. And then you're gonna, there's gonna be a lot of other value because you're gonna flush out those things that have to do with things that need to change in SAP or mm-hmm. third parties. You're gonna, I assume, you're gonna sort of flush all that out once you, once you clear up all the clutter uh, well, where everything collides. It, it, and the
2: other thing is you got to meet companies where they are, right? So we've got some people say, you know what, this is great, we love it. Email me a PDF with an Excel attachment that has the fields. And there's no level of integration higher than that. And then we've got other groups that we're talking to where it's... We're, we're via uh, ABOP clients, we're going all the way to doing the postings in the general ledger system and releasing an ACH payment, right? So anything is available on that spectrum, and it's ultimately up to the companies... To decide, right. ...where they want that integration point to be within their existing systems.
1: Right. But if you get that... But this is the recurring theme um, in terms of getting digital done is... um, It's it's funny because it's kind of an interesting... Balance, because on the one hand, one thing that we've learned, I think, um, which also some of the consulting management consulting firms remind us about, is point solutions do not make digital transformation right. You just w- if you if you have a really cool piece of digital tech and you apply it to a particular like point solution, all you've really done is make one person's job better, mm-hmm. but you haven't really transformed the business. Um, So you got to rethink end to end. On the other hand, uh, you got to see value in 60 to 90 days. So, um, so it's, uh, so picking the right, uh, scope up front so that you can, so you can see value quickly, but also something that is, that is transformative, right? That isn't just a better tool in a particular spot. That's, um, that like, that's, that takes some thought and some thinking and, I always advise people to don't sit in your own conference room and try to figure that out on your own, right? Like engage with with other with trusted partners and people that you that have that have seen what other people have done and maybe can help you learn from that.
2: Yeah. Hey, service provider, what's the worst thing about being our uh, our you know working with us? And yeah. it's like, oh, you guys make it impossible to do X, Y, and Z. Right, right. Let's fix that. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Good. All right. So this is probably a good place to wrap up. But um, what? Um, so, if people want to know more about uh, you, about Data Gumbo, what you guys are doing, or about the subject in general, what do you, where do, you, where do you uh, send them?
2: Right. So, of course, datagumbo.com. dot uh, com. We've got a blog on there with all kinds of stuff for uh, publishing, and also Andrew's writing a series for Forbes. So you can go and oh uh, yeah, I think uh, I saw that. His, yeah, his yeah, articles there and. Uh, we're very active on LinkedIn as well.
1: So. Okay, good. All right. So we'll put all that in the, uh, in the show notes. Um, I did, I saw, I think I saw one of those articles. I, I didn't, so he's writing those. I yeah. think I saw it and I thought maybe it was an interview because you, you can somehow right, lots of right. people get interviews with, with Forbes, but if he's actually writing it, then that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah, contributing stuff. Excellent. So. All right, good. Okay. William Fox. Thank you for, uh, for wandering down the hallway today. And uh, are, you, are you headed back? Are you, are you here at the at, Yeah, that's the right. Office? Thank you so much yeah. for
2: uh, having me on. I appreciate it,
1: Michael. Yeah, no, it's really good. All right, I just, have a, I just have a few more things that I want to mention uh, uh, that I traditionally mention here kind of toward the end. One is I want to thank our sponsor one more time, uh, Top Coder, Uh, Great folks over there. If you want to learn more about TopCoder, just listen to the very first episode in this podcast because Clinton Bonner, who is a great podcaster himself, talks all about it. It's really fantastic. But they are doing some stuff. Um, When we talk about speed and time to value, they've got some interesting ways to uh, execute digital work with a lot more speed. Um, and some amazing talent. Also, I got to mention the OGGN street team is, is in action and they are doing some really cool stuff. Look for the LinkedIn group. It's being led by the ever sleepless and hungry Brian Mon. That is M A H N. So look him up, look up the street team. Uh, it's a great thing to do. You do, do something good for the industry, do something good for yourself, get out from behind the zoom calls and your dog staring at you while you try to work. Also, you can connect with OGGN, uh, and all the usual social, all the usual social spots. Um, and if you can't find us in all those spots, just go to OGGN.com, and that will lead you to everything that you need to know. You can get on the mailing list. You can find out about all the events. We're actually doing live events. We're restarting the uh, the famous OGGN happy hours again. So, so have a look at that. Um, as always, I want to make sure that I thank our audio team. And uh, in this case, it's going to be... Uh, it's, uh, it's, I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but we've added capacity to our audio team. So usually I always thank Mr. Emon Fikic in the magical land of Bosnia. But now I think this one's going to be going to be done by Mr. Mac Roman, who is adding his talents to our audio team. So uh, thanks to him for, uh, for making us sound fantastic. And the very next thing that you're going to hear is Savannah Wilson who has the events on deck.
0: Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for May 2021. This month we have four events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our online events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the 20YPO's Networking Mixer at the Houston Club on May 25th. Next, we have our three online events, the Post-Industrial Summit Series from May 4th to June 22nd, the Data Fabric and Data Ops webinar on May 5th, and the Maritime Career Day hosted by Women Offshore on May 21st. Other than these events, OGGN has a live stream this month titled Identifying and Evaluating Advantage Oil Projects on May 5th. So make sure to check that out on our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information. You can also find more information about that or any of the live streams or events we have coming up. Also on Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for May. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.